Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to this week's show. Got some great stuff for you. We're actually going to be doing something live from a conference. We got Black Hat and we're going to be able to do the Game Developers Conference in Las Vegas. Got a great interview from the floor. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on there. This one's a little bit different. We've talked about video games in the past, but this conference is about casino gaming and what goes into that, what's involved in that, and it is its own thing and very, very interesting. I was going to be talking a little bit about YouTube. We've had a lot of questions coming in about the commercials and how many they're adding and all of that kind of thing. Our own experience with it has been the same way. Got a great news segment for you coming up here in a minute. Send us your questions and your comments. 503-766-6264 is our number. That's 24-7. One user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or userfriendlyshow.com is a place that you can go and let us know what you'd like to hear about. Today's news is brought to you by In-Office Diagnostics. Our drive-through COVID-19 testing pod is located at 18810 Southwest Kruger Road in Sherwood and offers accurate PCR testing at no cost to the general public with results available in 24 to 48 hours. Visit inofficediagnostics.com for more information. So what's in the news? Personal information of up to 4.6 million Neiman Marcus customers potentially exposed in breach. Does it seem like these numbers always are just getting bigger every time we hear about them? I mean, yes. you know, when it comes down to it. So personal information, again, a hack here with uh, different customer data, credit card numbers, personal information. This is one that it might be a good idea to go on and change your password because some of that information did get out. So you can resecure your account if you have an account with the store. But again, at the end of the day, the hacks are so many and so plentiful now that a lot of the original ways of dealing with this stuff doesn't really work very well anymore just because your information's out there. In fact, social security numbers and credit card numbers are selling on the dark web right now for the least that they ever have because they're so plentiful. So from that type of information, the best way to be able to deal with this stuff and the best thing that you can do is watch your financial accounts. And if anything weird happens, money's missing, that type of thing, unauthorized charges, make sure you report it to your bank or credit card company right away because they do have limitations on the amount of time you have to report. And if you go over that, you might be stuck with the bill. Facebook and related services down most of the day, Monday. Yeah, so however did we survive that? Um, well, I didn't notice, so. Yeah, neither did I. Well, okay, <laughs> that's Facebook? not true. Yeah. yeah. I, I noticed the Instagram part. <laughs> Yeah, it was all of Facebook services. WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, the related APIs were out for about half the day. It started about noon Eastern and went through the evening. And I did notice it. It was out. And, you know, it's an interesting thing when you start talking about all of this. This has been a bad week for Facebook. Mm-hmm. In addition to their outage and um, Zuckerberg losing, I think, $4.8 in personal wealth because all this yeah. happened. There's also mm-hmm. this huge whistleblower. The whistleblower. Thing yeah. 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 And, you know, both of these things are just looking at it, that they are dealing with this stuff. And whatever one's politics are, they are definitely trying to make money, in my opinion, off of the different things that go on. I mean, that's their business model, right? You have advertising to promote the advertising. You want people to look at stuff. 
So in that, you know, in respect to that, I can kind of see where these type of things are happening. Now, to the extent that the whistleblower did it, that would be really bad if it's all true. But uh, it is definitely a concern, and they have definitely had a hard week. The entirety of Twitch has reportedly been leaked. That's kind of freaky. Yeah, yes. we're going to get into the detail of this in a, in a segment here later in the show. But uh, Bill, since you're on this morning, tell us, give, give us the 10,000 foot on Twitch, uh, what it is and, and stuff. Well, for those that don't know, Twitch.tv is a live streaming service, kind of a competitor to YouTube, but not really. Um, because most of it has to be live done. There are some like back where you can go back and watch things, but a lot of people who do games or uh, other things, um, definitely they try to keep all the adult stuff, but uh, let's be honest, there's people that push those lines pretty hard hmm. <laughs> uh, for money. Um, well, in that, yeah, you know, uh, so I mean, Twitch is, you know, it's a good platform. I'm not going to lie. You can find a lot of information and stuff, but uh, yeah, the, this hack, basically everything, uh, whoever hacked it basically pulled everything, like took the whole server and just handed it over. Yeah, that it just except it according to this, so people don't worry. The explicitly whoever did this did not give away user account information um, beyond what how much was paid out. But your passwords are safe. Your security is safe as a user and as a creator at this point. Ethical. That's hacker? interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like they were angry at the company. Yeah, and yeah. Not at, not at the end users. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, okay. we'll dive. We'll dive into this in a little bit here and, and talk about the details. Mm. Coinbase hacks these thousands of user accounts drained. Yes, and they're promising that they're going to reimburse everybody. We'll see if that actually happens. But this is another issue when we talk about cryptocurrency. There isn't a lot of regulation. And in some cases, there yeah. isn't any regulations. So, whereas if somebody breaks into your bank account, they steal your ATM card or you know get your account number or something, take the money out, you do have insurances and the bank has guarantees and all of that type of thing that will most likely allow you to get your money back. Crypto doesn't have this. So if you lose money, you're kind of just out of luck. And while Coinbase is offering to put the money back, mainly because if they don't, they'll lose the trust of everybody. This type of thing is something that we're seeing all over the place. And once it's gone, it's gone. You're just out of the money. And there's a lot of people that have lost fortunes because of this type of thing happening. Ransomware gangs are complaining that other crooks are stealing their ransoms. Oh, I'm going to file this under the oh-so-sad you know, headline. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> officer, officer, that man stole meth. Yes, and that's, yes. and that's about I'm what sorry. it's coming down to. I mean, you know, yeah. you look at this and it's like the crooks are complaining about other crooks stealing from the crooks. But yes, yeah. this is actually going on. This is actually I think a bad thing. guys take the attitude. It's a dog eat dog world. You know, yes. they're 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 not going to be nice to each other. Hello. No. <laughs> so Thieves you know, guilds only exist in games. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on here, there's a couple of different things, but one of the key things is, is if you go on the dark web, there are actual sites for these ransomware gangs that you can communicate with that have support chats and all the rest of it, just like any other company. And what's been going on is one ransomware gang will hijack the chat from another. So when someone's trying to get their software released, their computer released, the one gang can steal the crypto codes from the other in the chat window. <sighs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So somebody's probably Ow. a little smarter than the other one. 
Yeah, that's, well, that's really bad. That's, that's clever. I guess you go to where the money is, you know. Uh-huh. So uh, anyway, so they're patching security updates, all kinds of things like that to try to get around the vulnerabilities. But this is actually a thing. And then what happens is, too, is there's no guarantee if you pay a ransom that you're going to get your computer back, number one. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. But if they steal the code, then the other people get your money that you're trying to pay with the ransom. The gang didn't get it, so they're not going to give you the release code. So it's really quite There's, something that's interesting. So I think the lesson here is back up your stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Foundational steps show quantum computers can be better than the sum of their parts. We've talked about this in the past, mm-hmm. but they're doing what I would call benchmark testing, for lack of a better term, and going through and figuring out just exactly what the headline says, that the capabilities are more than the sum of the parts. We human brains work like that. I mean, you know, it's uh, we're chemicals and that type of a thing. But when you put it all together, you have something that's much more formidable. And now we're starting to see that on the computer end. Hmm. And this type of a thing is both good and bad. I think from a standpoint of just looking at it purely from logic and physics, it's something that isn't that surprising, really, when it comes down to it. But the other thing is, is this is the beginning of really where computers can start to maybe think for themselves in a literal sense. Uh, mm-hmm. We have certain kinds of AIs and voice recognition, all that kind of stuff, but this would be the next step. And when you're looking at that, you have a whole separate, different situation. So Interesting. So the, are they concerned about, um, you know, like the whole... Moral issue with I think the, that the machines. Could, I think that could be a concern. That isn't something that's being directly talked about yet. Mm-hmm. But there will come a time that if you have something that eventually is sentient and you exploit that, that's a bad thing by all of our ethical standards. Right. So you are looking at a situation here where those type of issues very likely could come and be a part of our, you know, part of what we're looking at during our lifetime. So something to think about as we move ahead here, Moore's Law is still out there, things double, and it's continuing to happen. Well, you know, C-3PO said our life is, uh, our lot is to suffer, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Star Wars, though. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we don't go there. All right, we've got yeah. a great show coming up for you this week. We're actually going to have our reporter Chaz live in Las Vegas at a gaming conference. We'll have that coming up. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about hacking. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a special extended question and answer segment for you this week. Got a lot of questions in, keep them coming. And the way that you do that, well, there's a couple of different ways. You can give us a call. 503-766-6264 is our number. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave us a message. The other ways to do it is social media, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or our website at userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? Did my text on Verizon get hacked? Yeah, probably. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that was easy. I, and you I, just told me those those text messages were really secure. Um, so there, what's the deal? There are um, – uh, okay, how do I start with this? 
Text messages, generally speaking, are more secure than email. Uh, depends on the service, depends on a number of different things. But you do have a little bit less of the problem of things being intercepted, unless you're Verizon or AT&T, because it happened to both, and use a third-party contractor to handle certain parts of your system that gets hacked or has somebody in their company that gets access to this information and gets access to the last five years' worth of text messages across the board for both companies and starts to release them. So that's what happened here. And I'm not amused. So, I'm no. sure those people aren't amused either. I mm. can only imagine. Although the other side of it is reading through that, most texts are pretty um, just kind of droll. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. But there are people that share you know, information for financial accounts, that type of thing, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And there's, number one, an archive, apparently. And number two, this information did get accessed, and at least some of it has gotten out. Was it the image files too? The image files, yeah, the whole whole bit. Oh um, wow, somebody's somebody's suffering or having a fun time with all those uh, <coughs> illicit. Uh, yes, I can uh, only want pictures of cats. Pictures of cats. Well, you know, yeah, the, sure, that's what I was thinking they were looking for. No. <laughs> the thing it is for me, and what surprised me a little bit about this night, I don't think it should come as a shock, but I didn't realize that the carriers kept your text messages. I didn't. Either. No, I didn't either. So you know, just an interesting thing. Okay, what is an exoskeleton? Well, in Iron Man, it's a suit that has an arc reactor that uh, you can fly around with. Well, that sounds yeah. like fun. Mm -hmm. But, what about, in the real, and, but uh, what about in the real world? Well, is there a real world thing? What seems to be kind yeah, of ants have them. Yep, I, they, they, go ahead, Bill. <laughs> well, most insects have them. I yes. mean, that's why they call it exoskeleton, but I think we're talking about the more mechanical ones for humans now. Yep, yep. In yes. fact, there are two kinds. These do exist. Uh, they're in their infancy. Uh, there's a passive uh, one that is one that basically just enhances your strength and stuff. They're limited to about 20 pounds on top of what you would normally lift. And then the mechanical ones are actually motorized, battery operated. You can lift up to 500 pounds on the current prototypes. These things do exist, and we're starting to see them move in a direction that I think a lot of, you know, again, science fiction has told us about a lot of different things, and this is another one that seems to be coming to light. There's a number of manufacturers out there that are making them, and the uses for them are everything from warehouse work to enhance your ability to lift and not get tired and throw your back out and that type of thing, to quality of life enhancements. There's some cases where they'll allow you to walk where you normally couldn't, you know, due to an injury or something like that, and some other things. I think they're cool, so, you know, I think I need to get one just to see what it is. Now, there right, is another... That, uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, that's fascinating. That would lead into the next question, but if you have more to say on this... I was just going to say, the price right now of these starts around $35,000, so... Yeah, that, that puts <laughs> it out of most people. Yeah, yeah most people can't do that. So that leads into, are jetpacks real? And well, we've seen jetpacks in everything from TV to movies for the last 30 years, so... It could go back even further than that. In 1965, when Thunderball came out, the first James Bond film, the yeah. Bell Rocket Belt was the first jetpack I think the world kind of saw. Yep. Yep. And it worked. <laughs> that was an actual thing. It worked. It's been used up until recently, actually, I believe. That's kind of cool. That is cool. Yep. No, the, the, <laughs> these things absolutely do exist. In fact, the FAA is having a problem with them outside of the Los Angeles airport, LAX, that there are people that fly around these at altitude. 
So and are these becoming more practical? I, I don't know if I'd go quite as practical. The fuel for them is extremely expensive, and they're not like what you would see on Mandalorian yet. It's a thing that you stand in. It has the jet pack. There's a jet wing that goes on your back that you know runs as that and different things that people have designed. But they do exist. They do function. And I do think we're going to see the kind that we all think of from sci-fi directly available at some point in the near future. Again, there's a lot of cost with all of this stuff, and just like anything else, when they're new, the other part of it is the question, do you really want to be flying with this thing if it hasn't really been proven yet? <laughs> um, if something bad happens, you yeah. might fall out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who said the same to the Wright brothers? <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is true, but I do think most people probably didn't fly the day that they did their first flight. <laughs> Unless you're in World War One, should I upgrade to Windows 11 yet? That's what somebody's asking. Oh yeah, no, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-uh. Okay, so Windows 11 is out. Came out on the fifth, uh, so last week Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it does seem to work pretty well. I've installed it on my laptop just to have a computer that wasn't my actual production machine, and. To be perfectly honest, I did not have the problems that, like with Vista or Windows 8 or anything like that. It does work. It, however, doesn't contain a lot of the features yet that they are really pushing with it. One of them that I wanted is the ability to run Android apps natively in the Windows environment. That is coming, but it isn't here yet. It's going to be in the first oh. update in a few months. Hmm. And some other so things like that. Doesn't that make it sound like it's not really ready? Well... What is out does seem to be ready and does seem to work well. It's just a lot of features were stripped out of it, probably because they're not. So I think that might mm-hmm. have something to do with it. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you put it on, it doesn't seem like it's going to crash the computer. The other thing of it is, is I did figure a workaround on this restriction with the secured boot and all that kind of stuff. There's an ISO format, which is like an image of a CD, uh, even though it's much bigger, but it's that idea. You can download it, and if you know how to do it, you actually can install it on pretty much any computer. But as far as it getting set up and going and doing the install, the process was pretty seamless. It does look a lot better. There's a lot of aesthetic improvements, but I would recommend highly waiting. This is new technology. Give it a little while. And if you do want to play with it, don't do it on a machine that you need to have work and make sure you back up. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Got a special segment today. I'm going to call this the technology wine. Oh. <laughs> and uh, we get a lot of questions, and a lot of them, I would say about a third of what comes in is people that are legitimately frustrated with various aspects of tech. Mm-hmm. And whether this is something malfunctioning or something being changed, or one of the things that is a topic that I know all of us have had problems with, and that's YouTube and their commercial breaks. Now, Bill, I know you love this. Okay, I just want to put it out there that all of us have experienced it where you have two commercials up front, and then you get three minutes into a five-minute video, and there's another five commercials, and then you get commercials at the end of it. And I mean, I just got to be honest. At a certain stage, is YouTube about ads or about videos? Because, you know, you got you got... 
a pile of ads during the videos. You got mm-hmm. you scroll down. The first video you see in the list is an ad. You scroll down five more. There's another ad. You know, mm-hmm. in the yeah. video list, it's just so okay. It, uh, and I and okay. I'm. I'm having this this a similar situation where I'm listening to music and I'm listening and I okay you have a commercial before the song all right I can deal with that but then they do it in the middle of it and it's like why would you do that you know or or they just stop it and go are you listening yeah I just turned it on like 10 or 15 minutes ago yeah that it's like what it's sense. like what are you okay let me tell you a little secret uh, YouTube is about ads not videos Uh And the reason that I can honestly say that is because Google, which owns YouTube, is about selling ads. That's how they make their money. Yeah, but Google forced me to go to YouTube because they used to have Google Music or whatever it was called. And then they shoved me over to YouTube to listen to my music. Yeah. Okay. Why are you guys doing that? (laughs) I understand. That's really annoying. I mean, I understand. This is clearly YouTube trying to force everybody to pay them to be a subscription service right. like Netflix or something like that. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest, I have no problem using Adblock on my computer because it is so excessive. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. And you know, now one thing we, and I think all of us uh, here today, we, we've worked in the entertainment industry and you definitely want to be able to sell your material. That's how the talent makes money and everybody else. But there is a line of good taste. And when, that's it. when things like with YouTube, uh, I like to wrench on my car, so I'm watching something on how to do it. And uh, hello and welcome to the whatever we're going to fix. And it stops in the mid- middle of a word, not even a sentence. Yeah. And then you have two minutes of ads, and then it comes back, and it's like, where did I leave off? You know, and, and, and this exactly. type of a thing. And it definitely—it's it, actually hurting the performance. Yeah. Of whether it's a video performer mm-hmm. or a musical performance, it, they should put it in a logical place where it's not going to disrupt. The performance. Yeah. And the other half of the problem, and I don't think anybody actually thinks about these things, is that if I'm watching a video and a commercial interrupts it, like right in the middle of a word, I'm not going to be buying that product. Right. I'm going to actively find a different way to solve whatever problem that product is trying to sell me because that interrupted the, the video flow or whatever it was because it's in the middle. And there's, there's also another thing that you've, you've sort of touched on. Um, they noticed this when um, they started having more and more commercial breaks and kids were watching TV. And one of my, um, I was originally going to become a school teacher. And so I was talking to one of the older teachers and she said, the kids concentration levels have dropped. They can only like pay attention for five minutes because they're programmed because of all these commercials. And you're now you're they're doing it on on YouTube and other things Mm -hmm. and Pandora and stuff like that. And it's like, stop it. It, it, It's screwing with our ability to concentrate. I don't mind having a commercial once in a while to pay for the product. That's fine. But to break people's concentration apart is it's not it's not healthy. Yeah. No, and, and completely agreed. I know the first time I went to Europe years ago, the commercials were at the end of the show. So mm-hmm. you, would, you would have the show, it would run whatever time it ran, you would have the commercials, you would have the credits, and then you would probably have more commercials and then have the next show, which ran. And uh, that, of course, has all changed now, too. But it was definitely a, a better way of looking at it. Now, there are some streaming services. Uh, YouTube, if you pay for for one thing, and like Bill said, it's definitely pushing yeah. towards that. Netflix doesn't have commercials. And I know both Discovery Plus 
and uh, Hulu have it costs more every month, but you can get where it doesn't have commercials either. So there are some ways around that. And having some commercials is fine. You got to pay for it somehow. But from a standpoint of really just interrupting things and getting this excessive, it is something that out, is out there that's definitely becoming a problem and frustrating people. And now we need to go to a commercial. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back <laughs> after the break. <laughs> Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've actually got something live. Chaz, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. It's great to be back at G2E, the premier event for commercial and tribal gaming professionals. It's being held October 4th through the 7th here at the Sands Expo Center at the Venetian, and it's in full swing. Now, it sounds great, and I know you're coming to us live from the floor. If there's a little bit of background noise, I haven't heard crowd noise in so long. It's great to hear. It's music to my ears. What does the show look yes. like? Uh, well, you know, generally G2E has about 27,000 attendees, but like other recent events, it's going to be a much smaller crowd and, and you know, it's sort of com more comfortable like this, but, you know, it, it's going to be a, a good event. Oh, that sounds, that sounds really good. So what kind of things are you seeing? Are the vendors out there? Is it the same kind of setup? Is that smaller too? The vendors, there's, I would say about, uh, 75% of what it used to be, okay. and without the crowds, you know, they're not going to have that much, but, you know, it's still looking good. Now that sounds great. So give us some of the highlights you've seen. Well, some of the highlights was, you know, a lot of the gambling uh, research and regulation seminars, uh, gaming technology trends, uh, a lot of great stuff on sports betting and the customer experience, and in fact, we have an interview coming up with uh, Rebecca Schwartz from Playtech. Um, but for the most part, the best part was the education, email security and its impact on your gaming operations and uh, the match 52 revolution, which is sort of was sort of concerning. It says the fail of roulette. Oh, no. <laughs> but it wasn't what it sounded like. But okay. a lot of great, great stuff here. All right. Now, that's that sounds good. And, you know, security. Now, we're talking about gaming like casino gaming, of course. And security in that realm seems like it would be just as important as anywhere else because, I mean, that's money. If you can hack into it, you could do a lot of damage. Has this been something that seems to be an issue this year? Uh, no, no, it hasn't been. Not, not at all. Good. I'm glad. Game protection. Yeah, nothing, nothing. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, we're hearing so much about security and, and a lot of different things. Now, gaming also seems like there could be some crossover between that and video games in the sense. But if you go into a casino, things like a lot of the slot machines and stuff are just as in, in, involved as a video game you would buy for a high-end console. Is yeah, you know, the, uh, the the company Playtech is actually working through a lot of those things. And, you know, skill-based casino slot machines are are on the rise. And you were talking a little bit about sports betting. Now, I know my experience with that has been in a casino and a sports book. Is this different? Sports betting in the aspect of live gaming? Of what you're seeing at the conference. Oh, uh, sports betting is uh, a small percentage of what's going on here at GTD. Okay. I mean, it's, it, it, there's not as much as I expected. Um, That's interesting because I know what we're seeing it pop up at a lot of the uh, casinos, not in Las Vegas, but outside of it, where I know one up here in Oregon 
has uh, one of the casinos from Las Vegas has come in and done their sports book, and it's very popular. So it seems mm-hmm. like that's an area that's liked. It's kind of interesting, but maybe that's more a live tech or something. It's just, just now taking a foothold across the U.S. and, you know, state by state, it'll be implemented for the most part. Now, do you see that kind of gaming coming to where you could just do it on your phone? Is it already there? Oh, that's already there. Yeah, that exists. Uh, you do have to be in the jurisdiction that uh, it's allowed for, but yes, yeah, it's just been on the phone for quite a while. Okay, so when you're looking at a gaming tech conference, then you're looking at most of the same issues, maybe not so much security, but everything else that you would have really in writing any software at a core level, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So what are some of the things that uh, you expected to see that might not be there this year? Uh, some of the things I expected, didn't expect to see was the advancement in the guest service realm. Okay. And there's a, that has taken a great foothold here at G2E. And there's a lot of uh, companies and uh, promotional areas like the Innovation Lab that has a great deal of uh, guest experience and guest service uh, advancements in what they're showing. So, Chaz, you mentioned guest services uh, at a very broad view because we don't have time to go to it in any detail. But tell us about why that's important in the gaming industry and maybe a little bit about some of the advancements you're seeing. The gaming industry, of course, uh, is based on guest service. And, you know, what we want to do is try to have a broad, more, I guess, specific way to help the guests enjoy their time in the casino and be rewarded for their play. And advancements in software has given the opportunity for casinos to track each individual bet, where the checks are going, how long they've played, rather than just live observation by an individual. So the software will actually help track their play better, which increases or in some cases decreases their rewards based on their play. But, you know, for the most part, their their play and their win-loss will be tracked in a much more detailed way. You know, I know up here this has been an issue. We have a casino called Spirit Mountain, which I quite like, uh, nearby where our home station is. And one of the things in there is they use these type of things, so like the rewards accounts and that stuff, to be able to even tell what restaurants are bringing people into the casino and what's successful and what isn't. So I could see where that type of technology could be very important in a broad sense to a casino to just know if what they're offering is being well accepted, what works, what doesn't, and being able to keep a track on it. Yeah, more importantly, a, get, a player that plays at the table games doesn't realize that it's not necessarily their buy-in or how much they lose. What matters is their average bet, what game they're playing, and how long they play. Right. So, you know, all a big part of just the, the marketing arm of these things. Well, enjoy the rest of the show. We're going to cut over to your interview here in just a second. And thank you for being with us today. Outstanding. Great time. Yes, Bill. I'm here on the floor of G2E 2021 with Rebecca Swartz. With Play- She's the operations manager with Playtech at the New Jersey office. Uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about Playtech Live Gaming. Uh, Rebecca, if you would. Playtech Live. These are all live games right now. This is live from Latvia. That's my studio in New Jersey right there, the little roulette wheel, and these are pre-recorded. So for Playtech Live, um, it's been around for over 22 years, mostly in European countries, but we're breaking into the United States market. We're building a studio in Michigan, in New Jersey, and one in Pennsylvania right now. Um, do you have any specific questions about it? Yeah, so you have a live dealer, yeah. and players can play the games from all over the world. 
So in the and United certain, certain jurisdictions. Yes. In the United States, there's a wire act. So you have to be located in New Jersey to play at the New Jersey studio. Same for oh. Michigan and Pennsylvania. So everywhere that online gaming is legalized, we will be building a studio. Okay, so how do you go about uh, difficulties in the game? Players that have questions about whether the right number was spawned, such like that. Definitely. So um, players all the time can chat with the dealer, and if they ever have a question or a concern, they can raise it with the dealer. And there's a team of pit bosses in the back monitoring the chat. If any, if ever the pit bosses miss something from the chat, the dealer notifies the pit bosses right away for um, concerns, uh, questions, and also our biggest thing that we monitor actually is responsible gaming. So if anyone ever says something outrageous like, oh, that was my last five dollars, or I'm going to kill myself, or you know, something like that, um, that's alerted to the bosses as well. So um, we are a B2B company and we partner with casinos. We take the casinos and we bring them online. So the pit bosses inform that player's casino. And the player's casino then takes it with them, maybe sends the police to their house, you know, something like that. So any concerns are raised to the casino, and any discrepancies with payment or anything like that is all done through the casino. Wonderful. All right, I appreciate your time. You have a great day. All right, that was Chaz Wellington, live in Las Vegas, covering another great show. I'm looking forward to getting back to him myself. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Again, Chaz, thank you. It's nice to know there's some live stuff going on in the world. In the beginning of the show, we promised to talk a little bit more about Twitch. Bill, what was actually stolen? Well, according to this, which is being said as part one, suggesting there may be more, uh, hmm. according to this, some articles on The Verge, uh, three years worth of details regarding creator payouts on Twitch, the entire Twitch.tv quote unquote, with commit history going back to its early beginnings. That's crazy. The source code for mobile desktop and video game console Twitch clients. That's code that, related. That's nuts. Code re related to proprietary SDKs and internal AWS services used by Twitch. Okay, so that's the programmer and, stuff, software development kits yeah. and the Amazon Web Services. An unreleased Steam competitor from Amazon Game Studios. Steam being, of course, Valve's platform that we've talked about before for game distribution. Yeah, yeah so they're going to do their own, they had their own gaming system that's been leaked. <laughs> Data on Twitch properties like IGDB and CurseForge. Wow. As well as Twitch's internal security tools. <laughs> wow. I think this falls under OGA. Now, I, I, th I think you mentioned in the beginning, uh, user accounts and passwords are okay, but it's this other information. and. You know, it's interesting to think about it because there are obviously paid providers on all of these platforms. Mm -hmm. So that type of information, people do make a living and, and quite yeah. well sometimes. If you get a good following and, and go viral and all that kind of thing, it's good to go. But um, it is interesting to see all this stuff being out there. One of the worst leaks you can have is source code because even personal information that can still sort of be contained. And it's so bad now that it doesn't matter anyway in a lot of cases. But when you actually leak source code, the bad guys can get in and figure out how to hack because they can see how everything's done and how it's secure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so that kind of a standpoint, 
is where these things get real bad. I know that there's been a lot of problems with that. Microsoft had some source code leaked earlier in the year. We talked about Project Red, just some different companies like that. And that is something that you really, really don't want to have happen. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we'll we'll keep you updated on Twitch. We've got a couple of shows coming up. Um, It looks like we might actually make it to the Emerald City Comic Con physically. So uh, if that happens, we will be happy to cover it live. Mm-hmm. Kind of keeping our fingers crossed. The Consumer Electronics yeah. Show, we're going down there in January. Again, you know, with all the variables that are out there. But we are. let me rephrase that. We're planning to go to it in January. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. But both are two are, uh, you know, both of them are good shows, one pop culture and one technology. So looking ahead with all of that, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really ready to get some live stuff back. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You know, just just miss it. We want to be safe, and I totally agree with that, but let's hope it's time to move on. And with that, this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.